0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information, insight, and experiences for people who are planning for, about to, or already have retired. I'm John McComb, recently retired after a 50-year broadcast career, the past 36 years at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. I'm sitting down with my co-host, Lori Pinkowski, every other Friday to help answer the many questions that come up as you prepare to relax and devote some time to you and your new life. Lori is the founder of Pinkowski Wealth Management and is a senior vice president and senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. Lori, always great to talk to you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, John. How are you?
0: Excellent. It looks, finally, that we have a new president of the United States. I know it hasn't been signed, sealed, and delivered, but Joe Biden seems to be moving into the White House. Last time we talked, we were hedging our bets a little bit. What have the markets been up to since we last spoke?
1: Markets have really welcomed a Biden win. And besides that, we've also had great news on vaccines in that same period of time. So you know, how much is it the vaccines and how much is it a Trump loss or a Biden win is to be determined. But there has been good news. Markets have been moving higher. In fact, on Monday after we received the positive vaccine news, basically what we saw is markets hit an all-time high and continue. conversation I'm having with a lot of people is that as markets move higher, people tend to get more fearful that this has to come to an end at some point. And of course, you know, we have corrections. These things happen. But overall, the market is actually showing a lot of signs of strength. A lot of sectors that were not doing well have been lifted also in the past two weeks. So this is a really a broad based rally, as we call it. Most sectors are participating. We've had earnings that are pretty good. We're sure who the president is going to be. I mean, whether Trump moves out of the White House, I still don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Call me an optimist. But overall, I think things will, you know, transition as they should. And then uh, on top of that, the vaccine news, right? And even though we don't have vaccines tomorrow, or, you know, you and I probably won't get them for some time, the fact of the matter is there's light at the end of the tunnel and the markets like that. And so even if markets have broken to new highs, again, that's positive. And when we're setting up the portfolios, we're looking at not just the next month or two, the next six months, 12 months, where do we want our portfolio to be invested for clients? Where do we see markets going? And in my opinion, I think they're going to be higher than where they are today.
0: Well, it's interesting because first Pfizer and now Moderna pharmaceutical company has come out and said that it's COVID vaccine 95% effective, analyzing their phase three trials, which is sounds pretty darn good.
1: Well, it's huge that they're having uh, such positive outcomes from both Pfizer and Moderna. I mean, that is fantastic in itself. The one thing that we have to make sure that we don't get too ahead of ourselves is that they do have to kind of follow patients around for the next couple of months and make sure that the side effects are also in check, right? But the way that it looks is that we're going to see vaccines rolling out fairly quickly. And again, I mean, there'll be some time since uh, the world gets back into normal order, but at least we can see that light. And uh, markets definitely are positive based on that news. But I will say that some sectors probably got a little ahead of themselves. When you saw the first news break on, on Pfizer's vaccine, you saw Air Canada, up by 29% in one day. Wow. I mean, I, I wouldn't buy probably most airline stocks at the best of times. It's hard for them to turn a profit. But with this news, you know, again, is that too far, too fast? Well, probably, but they're coming off such a low. And uh, for us, again, we don't invest in companies that, you know, aren't profitable at this time. I mean, it's uh, it's just too risky for our retirees. But really, that's what moved big over the last couple of weeks. Some of these stocks that were in the dump, they've really come up quickly. But again, I would be prepared for another sell-off in some of those areas when everyone realizes, you know, we're not all getting on planes anytime soon. And we're probably not getting on a cruise ship either.
0: And it's interesting. uh, The markets have responded very positively. And uh, I forget who was listening to on the radio saying, oh, you know, it's it's almost over. We're ready to go. And I thought, well, hang on a second, because the numbers in the states, one hundred and sixty thousand new cases a day were at least, well, the United States still a long way from the end of this.
1: One hundred percent. You know, when you see the global cases rising as well, and uh, we're seeing more and more countries in some sort of lockdown, of course, that's going to affect the economy, especially short term. Why the markets haven't been as worried as, say, when this all happened in March? I mean, we had less cases in March than we do now. But part of that is we had less testing uh, as well. But as things um, kind of have progressed, when we look at a lockdown Back in March, we didn't know if that was going to last three months, six months, a year. Like, we had no idea. We had never seen that before. Now we understand that lockdowns happen to a certain degree for a period of time until the curve flattens and then things kind of could possibly get back to normal, but we still have that vaccine on the horizon. So that's why markets are digesting this terrible news with COVID cases, not just in the U.S., but also here in Canada, here in B.C. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing to see these numbers rise the way that they are. And so we'll be looking at that kind of news going forward. But there's a lot of other things on the horizon like that stimulus package still. I can't imagine these two parties getting along any better than they did before the election. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, we're waiting for something to be passed here and it needs to be passed. And when you look at uh, the Republicans, I mean, they're, they only want to hand out 500 billion of relief uh, where the Democrats are pushing for 2.2 trillion. I mean, they're pretty far apart at this point. And so we'll be watching for that. And if we get that news, uh, we get even more positive vaccine news and it's a smooth transition with Biden. I think markets have a chance to move even higher than where they are today.
0: I was reading the other day, somebody made reference to the markets going up and up and up, and somebody said, well, you know, the markets were going up and up and up and up just before the crash of 1929. Of course, they always go for the Very worst example to argue that maybe things are moving too far, too fast.
1: Yeah, you know, before a major market crash, I mean, we had, of course, 1929 was a a terrible one. And people like to use that example. But even 2008, that crash as well. But we had the crash. It happened in March. That was the earthquake. What we see now are aftershocks. And so everyone can always be waiting for the next big one. But big ones, like the financial crisis, like the pandemic happen kind of once a decade or the tech bubble bursting that sort of thing this isn't a normal occurrence when markets fall 30 to 50 percent within you know a few weeks or, or a couple of months so normal corrections though don't be you know intimidated by that I would say to to some investors out there because a, a correction is healthy you want to see that happen in September just a couple of months ago we had a correction of 10 percent in the stock market our portfolio is corrected maybe two percent but again that kind of thing is healthy and and we're going to see more of that As a portfolio manager, I I hope to see some of that because, you know, we want to pick up some of those stocks that may have ran away from us. We can buy them a little cheaper. And that's what we've used any correction for over the past, say, two, three months in various sectors. Sometimes technology is having a bad week or two, and we look at picking up a position or two. So again, don't be shy about the markets, but you are right, John. It come a little too far too fast. I mean, yeah, Air Canada going up 29% in, uh, in a day, that's definitely too far too fast, especially when they don't have any earnings growth whatsoever. So you got to be picky with what you're adding to the portfolio.
0: And it seems to me that the way you're looking at investing today really hasn't changed that much. You're buying when things are a little bit cheaper, but are you adding some areas in terms of where you're looking to? put money you know
1: we've added more to industrials and materials as you come out of a recession these areas tend to do well even when you think of copper when you think of gold uh, especially when there's a lot of stimulus being thrown at the economy these are areas if you look back to 2009 2010 as we got out of the financial crisis tend to do very well so we add small positions in those areas of course we still have technology and those big names that we talk about costco and walmarts and so on and so that hasn't changed but what you can see is if a vacuum vaccine does get pushed through which again we believe that it will at some point in the near future you have to be careful of the trade as well being too much on the front of the sectors that have benefited from the pandemic so you could see that when the vaccine was announced amazon actually came down and to me that's probably short term because i think that people's mindset has changed Four years to come. And I think they got used to buying things online. So do you really have to, you know, get out of bed to go to the store to go buy something? Even when there's no COVID? I don't know. I, you know, I like them coming to my door, frankly. <laughs> so, so I think long term Amazon is still a good, a good buy and a good hold for us. We own it for those reasons. Also, a vaccine again to be, you know, worldwide, globally is still going to be at least, you know, what, 12 months away, more than that to make sure that everybody is vaccinated. So uh, again, some of these stocks came down based on the vaccine news. But to me, that was a little bit of a reason to add to more more to the position or add to other positions that have also been thriving in this pandemic.
0: Okay, let's change gears and talk about uh, an issue that uh, I know you deal with on a regular basis, and that is dealing with the finances of aging parents. And what are some of the things that you recommend to help aging parents with their finances? Because it can play on the minds of both parents and the children.
1: I see this more and more, and often as people age, we end up dealing with their adult children, sometimes more so even than the initial client who was the aging parent or who is the aging parent. And so we learn a lot about that process as we're we're in it often. And I think there's a lot of responsibility put on adult children to ensure that the finances of their parents are taken care of. And I'm talking about when people are now in their late 80s, early 90s, and so on. And there's a few things that we're looking for. One is that they have all of their documents in order. And you would be surprised how many people still don't have power of attorneys, even though I feel like I'm... Hammered home on CKW and people call me they listen to me every week but they still don't have a power of attorney and it is just really important it again will help your significant other make decisions on your behalf or your adult children in case you are incapacitated and can no longer make those decisions so you are still living but people need to do things for you and the only way they're going to be able to do that is if you have a power of attorney and of course, uh, having updated wills, knowing where your insurance policies are at. So making sure that as your parents age, they're telling you where these documents are, right? So it's okay that they maybe some of them have all of this done, but they haven't told you who their lawyer was or they don't tell you where their documents are hidden that's really important. And again, all members of the family don't have to be aware of everything. There's sometimes an adult child who is the executor of the will or is kind of more involved in the finances than others. And I think that's okay. If someone has three children or you have, you know, a few siblings, not everybody needs to be involved in the parents' finances. It can get a little bit too convoluted, too confusing sometimes. And we want to make sure that things are simple and easy to follow as your parents age.
0: What about working with a money manager or a financial advisor? A lot of people, of course, by the time they reach their 80s or 90s, well, I'll ask you, how directly involved are you in people's finances at that age?
1: I'm very involved, especially when I'm dealing with the adult child and their parents have been dealing with another financial advisor somewhere else. And they have now decided to move their parents' accounts to us. And sometimes from what I see from that on their statements is that the accounts have been mismanaged. And it's unfortunate to see that. We don't see it often, but we see it. And what that means is that just maybe the best intentions or did they put your aging parents' interests before their own? And I'm referring to the financial advisor in that case. And so it's important that you have a good team looking after your parents' money just as you do your own money. And a lot of people don't want to approach their parents because they've been dealing with somebody for a long time or whatever the case may be. I think the perfect time to address it is also if one of your parents passes away and say, your father passes away, your mother is still living and she's 87 years old and she's got her portfolio with another financial advisor that you don't have a relationship with. And frankly, probably she doesn't either. A lot of the times in that age group, it was a husband dealing with the advisor and the portfolio. And you just want to make sure that the portfolio is managed properly and also has a proper risk now for the surviving spouse, right? Just because they were married does not mean they have the same risk tolerance. And you just need to make sure that they're in the right investments. I I can't say that enough.
0: And so when this is part of the review and checking with their parents and their financial advisor, and everybody really has to be on the same page on this.
1: Definitely. I mean, you want everyone to be on the same page. I find that having open communication with your aging parents is important although it can be difficult and there are all different family dynamics as well. And not everybody gets along. And I think that uh, (laughs) I see that more often than not. You know, sometimes I see, you know, siblings that are very close that are working together, others that may not be. And what's important is that, All of you are working together or should be in order to help your aging parent or parents. And I think you got to put that at the forefront ahead of any squabbles that you're having with your siblings. And yeah, so everybody has to be on the same page, including your mother or father, that how you want to see the accounts be managed. GICs, for example. A lot of people that age think GICs are the answer because they've been in them for so long and they're now, you know, 87 years old. And because of their age everybody thinks they should be in GICs. And I look at it differently. I say, you know what? Maybe these accounts should be managed, yes, partly for your mother or father or both. But the other part, if it's a significant amount of money also, it should be managed for the beneficiaries. Because let's put it this way, John. If you're invested in GICs today with 100% of your portfolio, you're going to have less money, not in five years, but also 10 years, 15 years. You have less money then than you do today because of inflation and taxes and low interest rates. So, again, finding sort of a financial advisor, portfolio manager that can deal with people as they age and have proper portfolios constructed for them that are also safe, but just a little better than GICs.
0: You bring up the, the point that sometimes when adult children come to you with their parents' finances, they're a mess. Nobody's really looked at them for a while and they just kind of sat on the shelf. And I guess the Financial advisor or planner, what have you, just, you know, collects the commission and everybody goes along and then they come to you and realize that, holy cow, these have been mismanaged and we've potentially lost some tremendous opportunities here.
1: Yeah, opportunities and in unfortunate cases, lost money. Because there was no protection in the portfolio, they're just in the wrong things, right? And and so, you know, just because it's not your money at this point, remember, it's likely your inheritance down the road. So you want uh, it to be managed properly, not only for your parents, but also for the beneficiaries. And if wealth is going to be passed down for generations, as I've seen in many families too, for grandchildren, even, you want to make sure that it's it's managed properly, right? So there's so many reasons to make sure that you're with the right financial team. And then also having that open communication with your parents and deciding together even. I mean, there's a lot of people in their 80s and 90s that their minds are 100% there. Physically, it's hard to get around to, you know, but Mm -hmm. the the fact of the matter is, is they sometimes want to be involved in those conversations and should be involved in those conversations, depending on their knowledge and and who they are and what they're expecting of their adult children, and just get a plan in place, you know, who's making decisions. For us, it's very important that I know who I'm talking to in terms of when we do a portfolio review or making changes, bigger changes to the portfolio? Should I be talking to the aging parent, the adult child? Who's in charge here, right? And for me, the best thing is to talk to both at the same time. I think it makes people feel really comfortable that way. And again, I, I go back to wills and power of attorneys and so on. I mean, we go so far as I sit in on those meetings with lawyers to make sure that the communication keeps going between the family members, because some people... I mean, I've dealt with them for not just 10 years, some 15 years, even 17 years. And, you know, I know the families really well, and it's good to have that relationship and to have that third party in there sometimes, helping facilitate that conversation.
0: What kinds of things can uh, families do ahead of time? We're putting together a plan for the family's estate, uh, obviously working with a financial advisor. But, you know, what are some of the things that people can think about now rather than waiting until the parent is 80 or 90 and maybe? Maybe can't be making those decisions.
1: So a lot of people think when you're in your 80s or 90s, you don't need a financial plan. You have enough income probably till the end of your days, which may be true. But financial plans and estate plans also uh, really focus on tax and how can you keep more in the family and and give less to CRA, right? I mean, that's uh, really should be your focus as you get into your later years. And as an adult child looking after the finances, uh, that would be in your best interest as well, right? Let's keep more in the family. And so having a financial and estate plan done, which we do for all clients that come on board or current clients. and, And again, if there's a significant changes in life, we like to update them no matter the age. And that conversation too is really important, right? So One, we want to make sure you have all your documents in order. Uh, Number two, we want to make sure that the aging parent has their portfolio properly managed by a good team. Three, you want to make sure the portfolio is also invested in things other than GICs likely, um, just given inflation and taxes. And then, of course, what we want to look at is make sure that there's open communication going forward with the entire family as well.
0: And talk a little bit about the tax implications, because I think that's one area where sometimes people are surprised by the bill that comes in uh, when an estate is wrapping up and maybe should have taken some action a few years back to try to mitigate that a bit.
1: Yeah, taxes are a big one. Yeah, it's a big focus of financial plan. It's a big focus just of what we do all the time. One example is your RIF account. Your RSP eventually turns into a RIF you withdraw income out of it. When one spouse passes away, it's a tax-free rollover to the next spouse. But when that spouse or that parent passes away, the whole amount becomes taxable. So let's just say, for example, you have a million dollars in an RSP goes to a RIF, uh, eventually half of that will be taxed. And the tax rate right now, highest in BC, is 53.50%. Ouch. So there's going to be a whole bunch of money going to CRA. So what can you do about that? There's a few things. And again, this is you want to think of these things a little earlier, is that you withdraw more out of your RSP or RIF than you're supposed to in low income years. That's one thing that we do. We look at annually for a lot of our clients uh, that have large registered accounts. So that's one tax savings tip. Again, this is one that you'd have to take on years earlier, but uh, a lot of people buy insurance for their estate tax liability. So some people have investment properties, cabins, things like that, that they will have to pay tax on upon the second spouse's death. So some people choose to insure that future tax liability, And uh, again, you can do that when you're healthy. Uh, So you're going to have to do it before you're in your 80s. But again, even adult children looking at this idea. Another idea is to putting accounts in joint, right? So uh, that you avoid probate. That's another one. Probate in BC is only 1.4%. So it's not a massive amount, but it helps. And again, the larger your estate, the more probate you're going to pay, And again, making sure that you have a will. I was talking to an accountant and uh, we were discussing about any clients that would be passing away without a will. That means dying intestate. And that's not a good situation to be in because what happens is that they basically look at the estate act and they divide your assets, 50% to your spouse and uh, roughly he was saying, and the other kind of half goes to your children. Well, there's a lot of espousal tax-free rollovers you want to take advantage of. So you don't want the money to necessarily go to your kids right away. You want it to go to your spouse first. So again, making sure that you have that will in place can save you a lot of taxes so there's a lot of conversations around tax that we have with clients on a continuous basis. I think it's people's number number two topic they like to talk about. <laughs> number one is, you know, the amount of income. Will, that, I, have
0: an, yes. will, will I have enough money to retire?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you and I have been talking about this for 11 years now, and, and that is definitely the number one question. And I actually spoke to someone today, and, and my answer was, you know, you probably do have enough to retire because you don't spend that much. It's not about how much you have. It's about how much you spend. And a lot of our clients are very frugal. And, uh, I mean, now with COVID, people aren't spending any money uh, at all. You, you know, people are used to travel and so on. But I think there'll be pent-up demand, right? You know, once people are able to get going again, uh, I'm sure that they will. But, uh, but yeah, tax is definitely very important. Uh, we address that often with adult children and aging parents.
0: Always great advice from Lori Pinkowski. Do you have a quote for us as we wrap this up? This week?
1: Yes, John. Of course, I have a quote. The best part of our whole podcast here. There's only one thing more precious than our time, and that's who we spend it on. And I thought about that quote and found it because of what we're talking about here. You know, it may take a lot of time to and energy to take care of your aging parents, uh, but just keep in mind what they've done for you. And just understand that it's so important that they have your help. And I know and I deal with so many of these people. They really do appreciate their children helping them out when they can. And it's really nice to see families coming together, whether it's health, whether it's finances. It's truly a blessing to have a great family and supportive family around you.
0: Well, it's always great to spend time with you, even if it has to be via the Internet and our uh, podcast platform here. So uh, it's been great talking to you. And we will catch up again in a couple of weeks.
1: Sounds good, John. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Lori. If you want more information or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pincowski Wealth Management, 604 695 lori 604-695-5674. For Lori Pincowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ready, Set, Retire.